And so now, if you would please, uh, if you're able to please stand for the reading of God's Word, which this morning can be found in your bulletin. We'll be reading from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but willing, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Thank you, Jeff. Four years ago, you were uh, installed as a ruling elder in our church and have served on this session. And I'm very grateful for your life in Christ. Thank you for those words of exhortation towards prayer and patience. Lord, I pray even now as we come to your word that you would make us mindful of the, of the blessing of being together this morning and of witnessing something that we, we don't do very often, but really just once a year, witnessing the, the work of your Holy Spirit and the lives of our brothers who have come humbly before you, responding to the call in their life. And Lord, it's easy to think that the service is so different, therefore maybe there, there isn't really much for the general population of our church, but it's not true. God, we are first of all your sheep. You are the only chief shepherd. And you are the one God that we need, the only true God. And you will meet all of our needs even now with the powerful presence of your Holy Spirit illuminating these words, causing us to see what we couldn't see and to hear what we couldn't hear, to make clear what we couldn't make clear and to feel rightly when we couldn't feel rightly. Lord, bless us in the preached word now for these few minutes we have together in this text. Let us be encouraged, all of us, for the sake of your glory and by your grace we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I mentioned a, a few minutes ago that our General Assembly will be gathering this week in Greensboro. Many of our pastors and elders will be attending and pastors from all over our denomination and ruling elders will gather to conduct the business of the church, to, to wade into heavy matters, really seeking the Lord's face. So we covet your prayers. I like to imagine what it's like to see the airports where General Assembly is suddenly flooded with men and women, families from our denomination gathering. I'll board a plane on Tuesday morning after I teach the men's Bible study. By the way, let me give a plug for that. Six weeks starting this Tuesday, there's going to be a men's Bible study. It's going to be on prayer. I have the privilege of kicking it off this Tuesday at 7 a.m., goes till 8.15. Donuts will be served, coffee, good coffee, so come. Then I'm going to get on an airplane. It'll be the first flight I have this summer among many. And um, I, I like flying, but I always find it a bit uncomfortable at the beginning because I don't really know what to say to people. Because once they find out what I do for a living, a couple of different things happen. One, a wall goes up pretty quickly. Or two, they want to begin to tell me everything that's wrong with their church. <laughs> it's really true. It's almost always one or the other. So what I've decided 
and I've shared this with you before, is in order to keep the wall from coming up prematurely, I really dodged the question, what do I do, as long as possible. Um, I just turned the question back on them, and most people are willing to talk about what they do, but eventually it comes to a place where they ask me, and I can't dodge it anymore. And most of the time, actually, instead of saying I'm a pastor, when they finally say, really, tell me what you do, I simply say, I'm a shepherd. Yeah, that's what I say, and it's as awkward as it was just then. They don't know what to do with that. I don't look like a shepherd. I'm not wearing some garment. I'm just there in normal clothes, but I'm a shepherd. And I let it just settle. I let it just kind of create that awkward tension because they're going to now ask, what do I mean by that? And then I'll say I'm a pastor. And depending on the way they have been speaking and the flavor of their description in life and the language they use, there's a lot going on. They say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that that way. And I say, no, no, that's why I waited to tell you I'm a shepherd. <laughs> I wanted to know the real you. And I do. And then there's often an opportunity to enter into a conversation about what it means to be a shepherd. To be honest with you, that's what I am. And that's what the men that God's called to lead this church are. Whether the office of elder or deacon, this is a calling of oversight and care for the body of Christ. And, and Peter here gives us such beautiful descriptions of what that's to look like. He specifically is addressing elders here, but I'm gonna take the liberty to, to talk about the character of God's leaders in the church. Brothers and sisters, the first thing I think we need to know is that as God's children, we have an identity and only one, only one primary identity. I've been saying that for nine years from this pulpit I've certainly been saying it a lot since we've been in this book of 1 Peter, the theme of sojourn. You have one primary identity, and it is a permanent identity. And that identity is the beloved daughter or the beloved son of the living God. You have many other identities, mom, grandma, dad, grandpa, aunt, uncle, brother, sister, business owner, employee, employer, Lots of secondary identities, none of which are permanent. None of those I just mentioned. Only one is permanent and only one is primary. And that is that you are a beloved son or a beloved daughter of the living God. That is true if you're in Christ. Now, if you are not in Christ, if this morning you, you're here and you know you're not a believer in Jesus, that is not your permanent identity right now. In fact, your permanent, I, I wouldn't say it's permanent. Your identity right now is that you're not a follower of Christ. That could change. You don't want that to be your permanent identity. What you want to be your permanent identity is I'm a beloved son or a beloved daughter of the living God. And the reason I start there is because these men who stepped forward and the men who were standing behind them who laid hands on them, they too have one primary identity and it is not shepherd. It is sheep. You have a primary identity as the beloved son of the living God not a shepherd. You are a sheep before you're ever a shepherd. That's your primary identity, and it's permanent. The temptation sometimes, is, as you step forward, is to suddenly feel like the weight of this calling and this position is overwhelming, and it is. But let it be overwhelming in the right sense. 
that God's glory, his calling on your life, his grace in your life, his steadfast love for you is going to give you everything you need to shepherd this flock as he has called you to shepherd. But don't forget, your primary identity is his son. And the reason that is important is, first of all, it's his flock. This flock is not the flock of some bigger-than-life personality that, that steps into this pulpit or leads as a servant on the side. This flock is God's flock. Peter says that very specifically. Shepherd the flock of God. It's not the flock of fill-in-the-blank of your favorite preacher, your favorite pastor. It is the flock of God, and it always will be. It is not your flock. Your primary identity as a shepherd is not true. Your primary identity is that of a sheep. Another thing that Peter tells us here is that you are not alone in the calling to, to be a shepherd. Notice what he says right away. As a fellow elder, the next two weeks I'm going to be preaching on humility and what Peter says about humility following this text, but it really starts here. Peter says, as a fellow elder, my friends, Peter sees himself in a humble way right now. As a fellow elder, he's not saying as an apostle, as the one who is present on the Mount of Transfiguration, as one who witnessed so many things and was beaten because I said I can't stop speaking about what I've seen and heard as one who ate bread and fish with Jesus on the shoreline, as he said, do you love me? Peter didn't say that. He said, as a fellow elder. That's very, very, just layered with humility. We should be the same way. He also speaks about being partakers of glory and the witness of the sufferings of Christ. All of that is encompassed under this one profound truth of identity. You men were sheep before your shepherds. Your primary identity is that of a sheep. Beyond the identity of the shepherd, I want to talk for just a moment about the eyes of the shepherd. Notice what he says. He says in verse 2, shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight. The eyes of the men who, who stood before you this morning the men who step forward as deacons and elders are very important. First, I want you to know that, that your eyes, the exercising of oversight, of leadership and care for this flock, which is God's flock, are very important. In Pete's prayer, you heard the pain of the journey. In the hymn medley that we sung, which was so beautiful, listening to your voices sing, we spoke about the journey, didn't we? The, the wonder of what it's like to live this side of heaven with temptation and sin constantly attacking us, but living in the reality of my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. My friends, called to lead this church, the way in which you look to this body and look after this body and oversight is very important because Jeff said it at the end of his you know, little sermonette. He said... Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Peter will say later in this chapter of 1 Peter, you'll see it in July, our enemy roams around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. He is seeking to devour this body of sheep. 
He wants to destroy marriages. He wants to destroy relationships between parents and children. He wants to ruin careers. He wants idols to swell up in our hearts. He wants things that tempt us to put our security in them to replace the one true security that we have in Christ Jesus. That's what he's after. In your oversight is critical. Looking over the needs of the body. So you're called to feed them, protect them, lead them, care for them. But the eyes of the shepherd are not meant to be just on the flock and not just on the present. And what you will see in four years is serving as a deacon or elder, it'll be pretty amazing. The world we live in is changing. But the eyes of the shepherd are not just to be over the sheep and present, but they're also to be future. And I just love it when Peter says in verse four, and when the chief shepherd appears, who is he talking about? Jesus, the one whom he had breakfast with, the one who said, feed my sheep, the one to whom Peter is, is now doing that which Christ called him to do, that same shepherd, the one true chief shepherd, the good shepherd is going to return. And Peter's eyes are not just on the flock, but they're ever forward to that day when his glory will be ultimately revealed. So as we look to the return of the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, as we remember who we are in Christ, there's one final thing I want us to focus on, and that is the mark of the shepherd. Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Then he gives some descriptors to describe what he means, not under compulsion, but willing, as God would have you not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples of the flock. Men, as you step forward, what this congregation needs most from you is your example of remembering your primary identity. What they need most from you is eyes that are overseeing this flock as they're looking for the return of Christ. What they need is your example. But the word example here means more than you know. The word example here means an impression. It means a mark. The example, the word for example here means something that is marked or an impression that is made by something that continually strikes something else. What this congregation needs is the impression of Jesus Christ deeply on your soul. His life, his sufferings, his resurrection, his reign. One of the great images of the word example is when Thomas, doubting Thomas uses the same word when he says, unless I see the marks in the hands and feet of Christ, I will not believe. Well, as you lead this body and body as we follow, may we see the marks of Christ on your life. May we see the impression that Jesus has made on you and in you as you trust in him, as you take on Maddie waiters, heavy matters, 
as you take on brokenness in your own life and in the lives of others, as you seek to sort out the direction that the Lord is leading this church, may it be the marks of Christ in your life that his flock sees. And as they see him, they too will be reminded of the one who is the chief shepherd. This is the Lord's flock. It's his. He's called you to lead. And he's called you to follow. You're his. That's your permanent identity. And your only primary one. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that we can say the things that we've been saying and sing the things that we have been singing and think the things that we have been thinking as you have placed this gospel truth in our lives. God Almighty, we need that impression to be made upon us and it is the example of Christ. More than just his witness, but his actual life and death and resurrection, his ascension and his reign. Lord, be our vision. Press into us the beauty of who we are in you and let this church be that mark, be that example to a world that is bent on destruction. May they see the light of Christ in this place. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.